Psalm 12, the gospel, as we have it revealed to us in Psalm 12, we'll read that together, Psalm 12. You can find that on page 452. Psalm 12, to the choir master, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of men. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can see as we read Psalm 12 and also other parts of Scripture how important the way that we speak uh, really is. When James talks about the power of the tongue, we, we're reminded about how our words can affect other people. The Proverbs speak a lot about the importance of using your lips to speak wisdom and not to abuse or put down uh, other people with the things that you say. And although God's ninth commandment seeks to protect believers from the dangerous consequences of lies, we know we still live in a world of fake news and a rejection of the idea that there is one absolute truth. Sometimes even in the church and especially among the young people, you can see a, a, a fear of stating and confessing that the Bible teaches the truth. And that's to be understand, understood uh, because of the context in which we live where that's a, an offensive thing to, to think, to, to believe, uh, to hold to. A lot of people don't want to live by that one truth of Scripture and so they, they fight against it. And then we see as we read Psalm 12 that this is the struggle between empty words and the one truth of God's Word that's not a new struggle. Already in Psalm 12, the Lord revealed that he is the only one we can turn to to find the truth refined seven times. He promises to place us in the safety of the gospel of truth, in the safety of his son, Jesus Christ, who he calls uh, the word. You saw that when you walked in. Uh, today, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Psalm 12 tells us that God places us in the safety of that truth of the gospel. It's possible 
to find the truth. It's possible to know the truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel is the truth. He calls everyone to repent of their sins, to believe the truth of salvation and grace in Jesus Christ. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under that theme. The Lord's pure words deliver the church from the empty words of the wicked. Now as you have the Bible open in front of you, Psalm 12, you can see that actually the psalm is formed a little bit like an onion. The main point in the center of the psalm, verse 5, is, is wrapped up in the enveloping verses around it. And as we, we peel back the layers around it from the top and the bottom, we can see that the beginning verses of the psalm coincide with the later verses, and they show us two sides of the same coin. And the Lord reveals then the context of his loving protection and the contrast between his word and the words of unbelievers. So then you can see we're going to do the, the, the top and the bottom, verse 1 and verse 8. They describe the context, and you'll notice the connecting word, this, among the sons of men. And then he says, on the one hand, the godly are gone, that's verse 1, and, and faithfulness to the law has disappeared. And on the other hand, the wicked are prowling everywhere and dominate so much that the vileness is exalted. That's verse 8. The call to God to, to save or, or help at the beginning of the psalm shows us that Psalm 12 is the prayer of the remnant, of the holy seed in the time when, when everyone around them seems completely unconcerned about the truth. It's, it's a very relevant psalm for what we know and see today. We are reminded of the time when, when God told Elijah there were only 7,000 righteous left in the land. And you can imagine Psalm 12 uh, being sung in a situation like that. Help, O oh God, the godly have vanished. But we can think also of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw that last week too as we looked at Matthew 26 and 27 when he was suffering at the end of his, his life and, and he looked around and he could say the same words, Help, God, the, for the God, the faithful one is gone. It's just false witnesses and lies. The vileness of the wicked we see is something that is opposed to the faithfulness to God's law. The vileness of the wicked is opposed to the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we pray out, God help us from their empty words. And then we can look at verse two and verse seven. And again, that's the next uh, pair and they combine to further develop the contrast between the vileness of the wicked and the faithfulness of God to his word. Verse 2 characterizes the vileness of the wicked as, as lies and flattery and a double heart. They're all words that point to empty, worthless talk that is spoken without any thought. When we are far from God's word, when we're speaking according to the sinful nature, we're not keeping in step with the spirit, we know how easy it is to just speak superficial fluff that does nothing to serve and to build up. It's just, it's just word salad. 
And then we learn about flattery. In the original, it's actually slippery lips, slippery lips. It's words that just come out, and it points to one-way uh, speaking that's not concerned with, with the truth, or not even to hearing a response, but it's one-way speaking that's an attempt to fool others and to try gain something from the other person. It's an example of insincerity that's followed again with, you read of a double heart, Pictures a person with a false heart, the heart that he shows to the world where he pretends to be kind and he pretends to be real, but actually there's another heart that's inside him and it's actually very selfish and corrupt. So a person with a double heart is hiding his true motives, he's, he's dishonest, and he's doing this for the reason of taking advantage of another person or a situation. The righteous in the land, they were suffering because they found themselves in a situation where nobody cared about the truth. Today, we, we might call that postmodernism. But they also were dealing with a situation where, where people were, were, went through the motions. It was just a superficial talk. It was no sincerity. They're going through the motions without committing to God or or believing him to be real. And that would be a, like today, maybe modernism, where more the, the, the older generation that did things just, just to do them, and, and that, that, that's the characterization that we sometimes hear. And then we realize that what the Lord is looking for in every generation and in every ism is sincerity of heart. You say what you mean, and look at verse seven. That's what the Lord is like. He keeps his word. He guards his word from this generation. He saves, uh, he keeps, his, uh, keeps us, he guards us from this generation uh, forever. And then verses three to four, they combine to form the top part of the psalm and they join together with verse six. It's the next layer of, 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 the, of the psalm. And as we peel these verses back, we see how God's people can be so confident that they will be protected from the manipulative speech of the selfish world. And I'll start at the bottom now. Verse 6 is talking about, about the Lord whose word is pure, seven times refined. It, we, we would say it's a breath of fresh air in this world we live in. When God speaks, he guards his word. It's like silver, seven times uh, refined and, and when we, we recognize that, we realize how silly it is uh, to say, to be ashamed or to be worried, to say that God's word is the truth. The Lord's word is the truth. And the, the Bible reveals that very clearly. And when he compares it to silver seven times refined, he's saying you can test it, you can ask any question, and you will not find a, a contradiction. It's, it's pure. There's nothing impure in any of God's promises. What he speaks, he means. You can know it, you can hold it, you can read it, and you can believe it without fear. And so when God's truth, when God's word is proclaimed, and when his spirit works it in the hearts of, of the hearers, then all of a sudden that the flattery of the wicked and, and the superficial way of, of talking, it, it becomes, it's exposed for what it is. And then it can't have that result 
that the wicked want, that they control you and get what they want out of you because you know the truth of God's word. And so the psalm says that, that God is a, a wishing a curse that God will cut off their lips. He's, he's saying, don't let them touch us. Make them mute, silence their words. We're asking God to be, uh, to be faithful, to protect us. Grant that the light of the pure word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ will so shine in our hearts and in our minds and, and in our lives that we may be so confident of the truth of the gospel that, that all the lies and all the, the misleading words and, and all the idea that there exists more than more than one truth and, and all this stuff that's around us that it, it just is shown for what it is. And we know the one truth and we embrace that one truth. And then we get right to the center. That's what verse 5 it's talking about, it's, it's, it's the promise that the Lord sees us uh, oppressed. The word is plundered, or, and he sees also the, the groaning of the needy, those who, who are, are, are left alone, that, that don't have, uh, don't know what to do, don't know where to turn. And we pray, God, come uh, near us and deliver us and save us. Place us in the, in the safety for which we long. Place us in that place of, of confidence where we're safe from those who malign us. And if you compare the, the ESV, maybe some of you still use an NIV, you can see there's different ways of, of translating that. And so how does God do that? Well, he does that in his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews says that in the past, God spoke to us many times by the prophets of old. In these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And when he came, the word became flesh. He's the, the gospel, the savior that we embrace and we love as, as true. And he's the one who, who assures us of the truth of his word also with a visible sacrament, a visible sacrament that, that's the, that's showing in a visible way uh, for those who have insensitive hearts and may not always uh, have that certainty, the Lord makes us even more certain. And we can see the gospel, that's the word of God, in such a beautiful way. And then we can know that the empty words of the wicked are just empty words of the wicked. And we have the truth of Jesus Christ. And we can hold to that and we can be assured by that truth and we can be comforted in our situations by that truth. We can find a Savior who does not try to take advantage of us. He's not trying to trick us with slippery lips, but he genuinely and sincerely loves us and we can be honest in his presence. In fact, isn't that what we do when we come and participate in Lord's Supper? We declare honestly, Lord, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me in the blood of Jesus Christ. And his word is pure. And he promises to do that. Amen.